Hello, and welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher, and I know you were just waiting for the dulcet tones of Carrie Poppy. She is not here this week. She's uh, out on a very fun research trip that I will not spoil. But it's not just me. I've got Susan Gerbic and Mark Edward back on the show. So I'm really excited to share this interview with you. Uh, this was done live from Salinas at their house when I was up visiting recently. And I should say, I brought the microphones that we use to record this show. I brought a memory card. And what did I forget? I forgot the actual recorder. Thankfully, Susan was very kind and had a recorder that she let me use. So uh, just be aware this is kind of a tabletop mic might not be our usual sound profile, but hopefully you hear everything loud and clear. And without further ado, here are Susan and Mark. Well, welcome to the show again, Susan Gerbic and Mark Edward. Hello. I'm so grateful to be here. It's wonderful. Now, Hi, everybody. Now, I'm saying welcome to the show as if I'm not in your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming and visiting. Yes, thank you for having me. Oh my goodness, you should charge admission. <laughs> Susan and Mark have this amazing collection of arcana and magic and potions and movie well, that, that's posters. That's all Mark stuff. That's Mark's thing. Oh, blame me, right? No, it's awesome, but it is Mark. Susan's war room alone with all of the, the pictures and reference books <laughs> is, is worth the price of admission. Lots of photos in this house. Uh, yes. If you charge me, I would pay up. Uh, for, for the tour I just got. That might be how you offset all of the storage. Well, uh, for anyone who doesn't remember, we talked with both of you before, right after we'd done our Cindy Kaza investigation. Mm -hmm. She was that... Oh, what does she call herself? The intuitive. Yeah. The, Medical intuitive? No. No, she had a particular word she used that made it oh. sound like the evidence psychic. The evidence. Evidential psychic. The evidential medium. medium. That's, that's it. right. And and she also kind of made it as a comedy routine. We went to a comedy club to see her. She says hi. <laughs> she she says that a lot. That's right. Cindy Kaza says hi. Uh, I love it. And so we talked with both of you because you've been very involved for years in not just one of your other specialties that everyone associates you with, which is Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. We could talk a lot about guerrilla skepticism on Wikipedia and your work as a Wikipediatrician, but also you've put a lot of work into keeping psychics on their toes and attending their actual performances, but doing it in such a way that you're a little more aware than most people are of the transactions going on, the transactions of information. And you've added some extra fun into the mix, both of you, Mark and Susan, by seeding information in advance that then you can later on see if the psychic is pulling up in the performance. So we've talked on the show many times about cold reading. Mm -hmm. That's where you're just a blank slate. You're working with an audience and all you have is their expressions and the clothes they're wearing and a grab bag of tricks mm -hmm. that you're using to kind of fish for information. But there's also hot reading, which is where you have information in advance, more reliable, solid information that's going to look way more impressive. And then the trick is to sell it off as if you just came up with it. So we talked last time when we had you on the show about some of your other operations and stings, but you've got a new one. Right. And so today we want to talk mostly about Operation Onion Ring. Yes. But but tell us a bit about Thomas John. He's been on your radar for a while. Right. Yeah. He just, 
I keep trying to move to somebody else, but he keeps pulling me back in. He's so obviously a hot reader and really simple to catch. His tricks never change. It's uh, more and more I'm finding what he's doing, the modus operandi of it. He is getting information beforehand. Yeah. But I think more than that, we've realized he's getting it in the moment. And when he's on Zoom with a group of maybe 300 people and he's picked out whoever his his As you do during a pandemic. Yes, as you do during a pandemic. People's names are clearly written on the Zoom screen. Yeah. And the people he's picking out to do the readings on are fit two categories. They are either people he has read before. We know this because the people will say, oh, Thomas, you're so amazing. You got more this time than you did last (laughs) time. Or I wonder if he cringes when he hears that. Like, oh, (laughs) Susan's somewhere and she's going to hear this. So that's one type of person he gets is people who's obviously read for before. Okay. And the other type of person is somebody, it's pretty easy to find their Facebook profile mm-hmm. just by looking at their Zoom screen. You can find their name. And we know this because we're watching these Zoom events as well. We're watching them in the real time as he's doing them. We're one of the characters that are on the screen. Yeah. And what happens is that he will pick out somebody that he will be reading for, let's say it's Ross Blotcher, which is a kind of an unusual name. It is. I'm the only one. Apparently. You're unique in many ways. There there was another (laughs) Ross Blotcher who died. I had nothing to do with it. (laughs) There's another Susan Gerbic. She's a cousin. And I can't imagine what her life must be like to get all the... Oh, yeah. (laughs) She lives in Tennessee. Poor thing. But let's say it's Ross Blotcher. So my team of Gorilla Skeptics is watching as well. And they could go and see that he's talking to somebody named Ross Blotcher and Google you, usually on Facebook, and have your Facebook profile in front of them at the same time that Thomas John is reading you. That's right. Most of us, just by living in the 21st century, are kind of public figures. Right. Or they can Google you and find you maybe mentioned on an obituary somewhere. Oh. mm -hmm. And that's, that's not uncommon. Women are great because they will have their maiden name listed in a lot of places. And if you can find the woman's maiden name, then you can probably link her to an obituary. And if you can link her to an obituary, then you can link her to all the family that she's missing. Right. They'll even list out the surviving members of the family. surviving, yeah, and the family names where they live. And that she volunteered at the church or some other, you know. Absolutely. And then dog's name and things like that as well. Another thing we've noticed with Thomas John over this pandemic, because he's doing so many Zoom uh, events, is that he's, you can see him on the screen. Now I have video of everything so I can, you know, go back and look at it in detail and, and analyze it. My team will sit down and I can't remember which of my team members figured this out, but when he's doing a Zoom event, just one-on-one, you can just see he's the only person on the other screen and then he'll stall. He has many stalling tactics where he'll repeat things over and over trying to get Mm. it right. And then he will glance down to the right-hand corner of his computer screen. Sometimes he'll cover his you know, face with his hand a little bit, his eyes a little bit as if he's getting some kind of message from wherever and then immediately he'll look at the screen and he'll say who is steve who is bob now listeners out there what is usually located on the right hand corner on the lower right hand corner of your computer screen the time and let's see on a zoom interface well you've got names listed there right you also have messenger for facebook oh okay so if you have a facebook screen open 
you probably have a, a messenger live communication pop, yeah, going on. Messenger will pop up in the lower right hand corner of your computer. So he screen. might have an assistant or something yes, who's feeding him think, yeah. information. Okay, kind of somebody like, who's also in the Zoom room who's looking up these people's names and tells him the next person you're going to call on is Ross Blotcher. The modern digital equivalent of say James Randi's famous expose of Peter Popoff, where he was wearing an earpiece yes. and his wife would be the voice of God calling right. in with the people's addresses or conditions. Exactly. And so as he's talking to Ross Blotcher, we think only small things are popping up, like maybe a name of somebody in your family or somebody's getting married or a pet died. One of our tricks we use is we go back to the oldest pictures we can find on your Facebook feed. So Mm -hmm. we find things that are sepia or black and white. It's really quick to find that if we can get into your photos, we will go back to that. And almost always it's a remembrance of somebody who's died in World Mm. War II, a grandfather or whatever. You've put it up on Mother's Day or Father's Day, Veterans Day. And then a lot of people will comment on there saying, oh, Uncle Bob, he was the greatest. Or Aunt Elizabeth, I loved her uh, lemon meringue pies. Or they'll make some kind of comment about it. And Thomas John is saying these things. And I think they're just very quick little messages to him on Facebook Messenger that say, you know, Steve or lemon ring pie. So, or... so your suspicion is when he's covering his forehead dramatically and thinking for a while, he's just buying time for his confederate to yes. send him. Right. But the confederate ahead of time has already found the person on the screen. So they, it takes maybe 10 minutes. You pick out which person you're going to be zooming in on. Mm-hmm. Zooming. Get yeah. It. So you figure out which person they're going to be zooming in on. And the, the confederate can have written down maybe 10 or 15 topics. Yeah, I think it's really important for everybody to realize that the pandemic has made it even easier for uh, psychics and mediums to make money. Because since they haven't been able to do these big arena shows and places where people can go in person, yeah, now they're on Zoom. So when they're on Zoom, they think that everything's good. They pay to be on there, but their name is right up in front. So yeah. You don't, you don't to have, have to do all the hard work in advance of yeah, working people out. You just have to have two screens, two monitors, and you're set. And You, you can it, do it in real time without real a bunch time. of forethought and preparation so even. from where we come from, we're losing the battle right now. Okay. Well, I don't agree. I think we're winning. Now, on a, <laughs> no. on a Zoom call, you can't do quite the same ticket sales as you might say in an auditorium. But, oh, no. But you can sell maybe higher price tickets because it's more intimate affair. We'll get to that. Intimate, quote unquote. We'll get to the high price tickets. But, yeah. but remember, he can do it every day if he wants to. Right. Well, let's, let's take a step back just to look at Thomas John and how okay. you found him. Because he wasn't really someone that you sought out. He he kind of fell in your lap because he made the bad mistake of planning an L.A. show on the same weekend that you just happened to be visiting L.A. (laughs) We're here at your place in Salinas, and I just happened to be up visiting family because we're locals to uh, the Northern California Central Coast area. Right. I'm from Santa Cruz. We're visiting family in Watsonville. So this is fun that you live here in Salinas and we get to visit you. So so you were coming down to L.A. and you just happened to attend a Thomas John show. Right. I'd never heard of him before. But he is still a psychic of some note because he's had a couple TV shows. Right. One season of the Thomas John Experience one season of The Seatbelt Psychic, and he had a show in Vegas uh, called The Thomas John Experience at Caesars. Okay, and how are... All canceled. Well, sure, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure the pandemic had something to do with it. Yeah, but but he didn't predict that for some odd reason. (laughs) I don't know why. Well, here's a question. Having seen many psychics, even if you believe that they're not connecting with actual spirits, there's still a skill 
to being a psychic using these reading methods, selling your trade. Uh, we've got Mark here who has worked as a psychic, so you know this. How would you rate Thomas John on a scale of one to ten, just for his quality as a psychic? Is he a good psychic? Is he I would say middling? more like a one. He's a medium, medium. I give him a two. A two, okay, one and a two. Yeah, he's uh, terrible. He's so, really awful. Okay, so he shouldn't even have his own show. No. Oh. But the editing is done really tightly. So, sure. of course, what you see is really good. So he's, when he's doing yeah. the James Corden thing, you know, where he's driving people around and uh -huh. reading their psychic fortunes, how much are they recording versus how much actual footage um, ends up on a the lot. show? A lot. And we know that because I wrote an article after doing an investigation. My team did an investigation called Right Turns Only. And it's because we were able to watch the footage. We put everything on mute and we watched him drive around. And uh -huh. we can see he was only making right-hand turns in the lane closest to the sidewalk. <laughs> He's always turning his Always turning, the... yes, always. <laughs> and we never see a turn that was not right. He was in a giant circle. We were able to map it out, his route, because we were able to look behind him. So what we did is we put everything on mute. And we were just doing screenshots every few seconds or so. Every time something something would be seen in the window. That was identifiable. Him. Yeah, we could see like a movie theater. We could see a street sign. We could see a highway overpass or whatever we could see. And we were able to route out his route. He was in two, they filmed in two different locations in LA and we know exactly the route that he took. We can see the Kaiser Hospital wow. in the background. It's always located in the exact same spot each time. So were you on Google Maps saying, okay, Kaiser, so we know it's around this block. Right, here's a post office on the left. There's the yeah. El Pollo Loco. Okay, we yes, found it. Yes, we found it. Yeah, that's how we did it. And several people on my team are in the LA area. So Wendy Hughes, a friend of ours, yeah. you know, she went down and took pictures during the pandemic. It was really nice of her to go down. Said, here's where he was. So she took a picture of where they would drop people off and interview them. And so she took a nice picture of the street and, and how it looked. And it was obvious that it was compared. Oh, I love so, that Wendy was involved. Great. <laughs> she's great. So as I said, we were able to know how much was recorded by how many times, for example, we would see him going through an overpass mm -hmm. and he's saying one thing and the camera's on him. And then... A while later, we'd see him go through the exact same overpass, and he's still talking on the same subject, but it's like the second sentence. So the way they edited it was that it sounded like it was all happening within 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Right. But we know it's not because we can see from the, the LA pictures. freeway system doesn't let you back up and do it over again. <laughs> so we know from the sequence of the filming that it's multiple times later because he's had to have finished that loop. Yeah, th that's amazing. Did you post those screen grabs in an article or is there a YouTube clip anywhere where you've kind of laid out his Well, route? I'd love to do a YouTube clip. That would be really hilarious. Yeah, that would be what fun we to did is a, it's an article. It's on Skeptical Inquirer. It's called Right Turns Only. <laughs> okay. And so you should be able to find that. I'm Susan Gerbic, so it was under my name. You think somebody would have thought to do this, cover it up, but yeah. no. Who has no. the time, right? <laughs> Just crazy people like me. Yeah. Well, that's why we need crazy people like you. <laughs> And I interviewed somebody who was in the back seat, one of the sitters during that day. And he said that uh, he was there for over an hour and he was crying immediately. It was uh, on a schedule. They picked him up and they dropped him off at the same location within an hour. And the next person was standing there waiting to go 
into the car also. And how did you find him? I can't quite tell because I don't want to reveal who he was. Okay. But it was it was an odd way of finding this person. Because you said some of these people had IMDb profiles. They're actual actors. Right. And this is a person who thought he was signing up for a game show. And wow. he filled out information on the, the internet. I guess he responded to a Craigslist ad or something like that and filled out all sorts of information. They did a check on him. And he's done other things, as other people have. Okay. And we did find him kind of that way. But he is really worried about being revealed who he sure. is. So I haven't, I don't really want to know where, how I did it. But Fair he was enough. stunned. He was absolutely stunned to find out that he was hot red. Okay. So you'd already been to a couple of Thomas John performances. He's actually seen you in person, right? He read me and Mark, yes, in Operation Pizza Roll. Which we talked about in our last conversation. Yes, that was the last one. That's been a few years ago. So you've been a thorn in his side for a little bit. Oh, I'm absolutely not his favorite person. He calls me the crazy cat lady and says all <laughs> kinds of things about me. He's just not a... Susan says this as she is petting a cat. <laughs> Yeah, he calls me the crazy cat lady and um, other euphemisms. He doesn't want to say my last name. And a lot of times he won't even say my first name because what he tried that once... He was... Um, He's afraid of giving you yeah, exposure. Be- yeah, because what happened is he was talking about me once in a chip coffee event I had done called Operation Bumblebee. And he posted this and his fans were just like, oh, that's awful. What a horrible human being. And then his fans started posting who I was. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting messages saying, oh my gosh, this guy's such a scammer. I looked you up and I read his... So it backfired on him whenever he mentions me okay. by name. Because then they, they look, look it you up, up yeah. and then you've got a lot of and material And he doesn't want anybody there. going to Wikipedia because of his Wikipedia page. Absolutely <laughs> does not want anybody to go to Wikipedia because it's all there with right. citations. Oh yeah, you're the wrong person to piss off on Wikipedia. <laughs> Uh, fantastic. Okay, so now we get to the new operation that we want to talk about because you just published this in June. Yeah, I think in it was Skeptical June. Inquirer. Skeptical Inquirer is quite a long article, and there's a reason why it's yes. long. Sorry, everybody who wants to read it. This is your TLDR version, but by all means, go <laughs> read it. But yeah, Operation Onion Ring. Okay, first of all, I hear there's a story behind the name. Oftentimes, your operation names come from food items. Yes. <laughs> so where did this one come from? Well, I wanted to continue the rich tradition of uh, food items because people tend to remember it. Yeah. And I like the idea of onion ring because he has this ring. It's like a criminal ring. And in this particular situation, it was like a seance ring. Okay. It made people cry. So onion rings seem to... Seem to <laughs> uh, onions make you cry? Okay. Yeah. We've yeah, got a so ring. So we just... I just felt like this is... Too good to pass up, you know? Very good. So, <laughs> onion like ring. We want you to think of crime ring and onions that make you cry. Yeah, all right. I like it. Uh, good. Mark names all of the operations. I hadn't associated the crying. I, I thought of frying, but uh, <laughs> now I'll think of both. I love it. Not Well, they're good when they're cooked, but you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All of this is making me hungry. Mm. Um, so I assume at this point, you've probably got Google alerts. You're on the newsletter for Thomas John. So you know what he's up to. Usually. I have a team that's located on Facebook. It's a private group where you can't you know, just find it. It's Gorilla Skeptics. It's called Operation Grief Vampire. And they monitor... They keep tabs. Yeah, they monitor a lot of different psychics. Just watch the social media, 
see what they're doing. Do they have a new show coming up? You know, just things they post. And if they do a, a video that criticizes us or something, we'll get that as well when the next event is. Oh, yeah. So we, we're keeping an eye on these people. So you knew then that Thomas John was kind of going for a new low. But by the way, <laughs> that, while I'm thinking about it, just another bit of preface about Thomas John. That's not his. That sounds like a stage name. You know, Thomas John. Is that, is that just his first and middle name? Yes. First and middle name. Thomas John Flanagan is his real name. And that's his actual name. Yes. He's had a, some priors for theft. And uh, I think he defrauded some people by renting saying he had some apartments for rent in New York when he didn't. Um, he has a lot of other priors. So, of course, he's got to change his last name. So that information isn't readily findable. Okay, well, now we've said it. So so you <laughs> knew that he was kind of sinking to a new low and that he was going to have an event that was targeted at children. Yes. We found this out, I think, in December of 2020. And it was like, what? So they have these... You know, group events, you can pay $20 or so, and maybe 300 or so people will show up. Those are large group events where you are unlikely to get a reading. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just one of 300 people on a Zoom call. That's normal. Okay. And we even had an episode years back where we took my son Andrew to a psychic kids workshop. I, I think that's something that, I don't know, I can imagine a few reasons why psychics would want to do it. But one is just to show that you're cultivating young psychic talent. But also, this is a very impressionable time where if you compliment children and tell them, wow, you've got a real gift here, that could set them off on a lifetime of, you know, quote unquote, developing this skill and becoming psychics yourself. Right. Yeah, it's a very weighty, in a bad way, a very, very dangerous thing to do. It's abusive to children, I think. That's to, my opinion. To uh, talk to them in, in this way, thinking that they're speaking to dead people. Blatant criminality of the worst kind. Okay. Okay, so yeah, no beating around the bush here then. No, this, this is, is not helpful. This is wrong. And and when you, we get into this description a little bit more about what happened at Operation Onion Ring, I think it'll make it a little more clear. So this is going to be an event on Zoom. Yes. For children. Eight people. Eight, okay, eight people. So it was counted. Five to 12-year-olds. Five to 12-year-olds. That's quite a range. Yeah, five to 12-year-olds. He said this is the first time he's done something like this. And he said that this is done because so many parents asked him to do it. Oh, okay. And so the child had to be between five and 12. They had to be with a guardian or a parent the whole time. It was two hours. That's one's nice concession, at yeah. least. Well, you can't read the social media of a five-year-old. You need to have an adult present to read. Oh, true. So that's part of it. But at least uh, I would be more incensed if he was somehow working out a situation where he was alone with a group of children. <laughs> at a daycare center. Yeah, exactly. Keep it on Zoom. So he was saying that so many people had been asking him for this. Yes. So I'm sure it sold out immediately. Yeah, right. Well, uh, <laughs> that's what the thing was, is I thought, you know, he posted probably, I think in January or February saying that it was almost sold out. And I thought, well, you've got eight spots. So almost selling out is not much. And what do you mean by almost selling out? Yeah. Do you sell one ticket? You sell two? You could use that description yeah, for one through seven. Right. So we didn't really know what to do. We didn't really know what to think. But I all I knew is that I wanted it canceled. And we entered into this really interesting situation where how do you cancel a spirit circle for children? And this is happening, remember, right after the insurrection in January 6th. So people were incensed, but they were incensed in 
that world, not the psychic world of somebody speaking to only eight kids. You know, that was, we were trying to get Zoom to take some action and cancel his event. Oh, we actually couldn't really do that. reached out to them to say, hey, they're using your platform for this. You just didn't get any reaction. Nothing. And then they also, the service they were using to get the money has a clause in there saying that it can't be used for abusing children or whatever. Of the payment system. Right. So we tried aiming at that and that had no effect. And I think a lot of it was because of the insurrection on January 6th, people were flooding them with comments of not funding things and trying. We did receive an email back from them saying we'll look into it, but nothing happened with that as well. Okay. So I reached out to our skeptic community and said, please, 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 somebody help me. Help us figure out how to cancel this event. And Stephen Novella, mm-hmm. neurologist from Yale, prominent skeptic and uh, host of uh, host Skeptics of, Guide to the Universe. Most right, people podcast. know from there. Yeah. So he he wrote an article from the medical side of why it's dangerous to to include children in this kind of world. Their minds are still young, and it's dangerous and it's wrong. So he wrote an article trying to I don't know shame Thomas John into not doing it, mm-hmm. and. Thomas John did a Facebook Live video, and he said that some guy was trying to get him to cancel his event, saying it was harmful to children, and that guy's just crazy. Okay, he so he said just that, wrote that Yeah, off. he said that children are spiritual beings also, and they need to have spiritual guidance or whatever it was. Yeah. So let the record show, you tried first to at least just get this event canceled outright. I, I couldn't think of anything more to do. Michael Marshall from the Good Thinking Society, he got a hold of a NBC reporter who was very interested. And Michael Marshall and I talked for a very long time with her about getting it canceled. But she talked to her editor and her editor said, we need to attend. And I said, well, how are you going to attend an eight person event? And I said, we don't want it to happen. We want it to be canceled. Don't you understand? This is harmful to children. We don't want a new story. We want it canceled. And she said, well, that's what my editor wants. So that's what I wrote another article saying, you know, maybe two weeks before the event. It happened in April 2021. And I said, you know, I really want this canceled. but I don't know what else to do. I don't know who else to talk to. People who heard about it were upset. But they had no more power to cancel it than I did. So Mm -hmm. he was adamant about going forward. So that's, I guess, what was the frustration I first encountered. So I thought, well, it's going to happen. So I guess I got to go. Okay, but you're not 5 to 12. and You don't have a a kid handy and he doesn't want you signing up. So sounds like we've got to use our crack team (laughs) and do what you've done before which is to build social media profiles assign them to people no do it that way you didn't we didn't have time because susan waited right up till the last i think we're four days before the. she was just like damn it i'm gonna do something okay but you don't have this i didn't have time setup because you put a lot of time into those setups sometimes like years months yeah grooming these right the facebook accounts have been around for years and they're they're active kept up so that they look real. So what we did was actually streamline. Well, what I ended up having to do is just the necessity of trying to do it in four days. The NBC reporter said she wanted to attend. And as I said, I didn't want her to attend. I didn't want anybody to attend. But I said, okay, how could I do this so she could attend without her being a reporter? Um, The way I did it was I went to Facebook and I... I asked my Facebook friends vaguely, hey, does anybody have a 12-year-old, an 18-year-old that looks 12 Uh (laughs) and a parent who could show up on a particular day on Zoom for two hours 
to play a part. And people were like, is this porn? I mean, you know, what are you trying to do? This? Like, You're right. I didn't realize how it sounded. There's no good way to be vague about that. Yeah, an 18 year old that looks 12. Yeah. How are you going to do that? And I said, okay, I need somebody to go. Because I have to go in their name. I know you've even reached out to Andrew, Andrew before. Was, yeah. And yeah, I Andrew was all for it. He was <laughs> he was all for it. That was great. I was I was gonna use Andrew. He's one of the first people I said, let's find out if Andrew can look twelve. If you can ever use Andrew for anything, he's here for the using. Yeah, he he was fine <laughs> with it. But he had to work. He couldn't get time off or whatever it was. Andrew's given us the thumbs Plus, up. Plus, I would have had to use, and I wanted to use Kara. I didn't want to use Ross, but I wanted to use Kara because the people who attend are all women. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the all biggest. The, all the parents, just to shoot forward for a second and then come back, all the parents were women. Yes, of course. That's amazing. Yes, of, of course. course you say. Of course. That's almost all that attends these shows. It's woman after woman. And, you know, if you get a man in there, it's rare. Okay. Uh, most of them have been taken there by their woman, whoever significant other. Interesting. But, and yet so many of the psychics are men. Well, it's hit and miss. It's, it's, it's a mixture. It's, okay. it's an interesting yeah, experiment. Okay. Somebody else will have to, to somebody Untangle. smarter than I will have to deal with that. But, okay. Yeah, I would have wanted Cara to attend with Andrew. And that's a big ask to ask somebody to sit for, through two hours in the middle of the day on a Monday. Of Thomas John. And Thomas John. Well, they didn't know what was going on. The people we asked. Oh, we just... Where's he based out of? Is he on the East Coast? He's all over. He's okay. in LA. He's in uh, New York. He's in Chicago. He's in Vegas. I'm really not sure where he is at all times. And that's another thing is some areas you can record with just one person knowing who oh, is. Oh, consent laws. Yeah. So right. if he's recording in New York, well, then I can't record him necessarily. Doing stings on a person is you have to be careful about consent laws as well. So right. what happened is... You know, I think I work really well under pressure. This is this was how it happened, is that I found somebody on Facebook said, I can do this. My daughter's 14. She can look 12. She's an actress. And she's a New Ze- they're in New Zealand. And this is somebody I knew, the mother I knew. And Cherie is her name. And her daughter's name is Lilith. So what we were able to do is they said, we're in New Zealand. We'll be able to do this. We can meet the time that you want. And they said they would volunteer. And I said, absolutely fantastic, amazing. Let's do this. Okay. I could see it forward. At each step, I kept thinking, I'm going to have to cancel because this is just crazy. I can't believe what we're doing. So what I had to do is I had to purchase the ticket. And I didn't even know if a ticket was going to be available because he says he was almost sold out back in January. I don't think we've said yet. The tickets are $400, which you use as a refrain, I think, hilariously in the article. We're changing the chronology here. So we're spoiling the article a bit. I apologize. But I love it after every time you talk about one of the readings, you say... And that's what they got for $400. Because that's, that's a and lot of It comes of money. down to about 10, 15 sentences, if even that. Yeah. Wow. And if it's a two-hour show, everybody gets about maybe 10 minutes, something like that. And it's a lot of hokum in the meantime that's stalling. So And, and in the sad. article, you don't reveal at the beginning that you have plants, if you will, inside. Confederates inside, Inside yes. the Zoom call. Though I had an inkling when I saw the first mother-child pair that was not alliterative. Because you had oh. B and B, C and C, and then I saw there was like a, you know. A D, D and E and E, e and an F and F, yeah. and then, then there was a mixture. Yeah, I. I was like, oh, they're interesting. Yeah, I, well, you're the first person who's noticed that. So good on you. When I went to write the article and change everybody's names, I wanted not to be confusing. So I used the first parents. No, that's very helpful. Yeah, it was a long good, name. Good mechanism. Starts with an A, child's name, starts Short with an A, name. short. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that, that's how I did it. But that was good. <laughs> yeah, good job, Ross. You're the first who really has caught that. 
So the first thing is, is I've got to get a ticket. Mm-hmm. Now I have, you know, I don't know, seconds to buy this as far as I know, because he's sold out, right? Supposedly or almost Nearly sold out. Nearly sold out. Right, of eight tickets. I can't purchase the ticket with a Susan Gerbic credit card. Of course not. Because I know he looks at that. You'll get refunded shortly thereafter. <laughs> Carrie and I run into these troubles all the time. First of all, how to not draw too much attention to our names, even though we will use our real names. Uh, but we've had Scientology reimburse us our tickets and say, sorry, you're no longer welcome at this event. But also the the dicey proposition of giving $400 to the psychic that you've put in so much work to exposing. Right. So... The way it works is you have to get a Visa gift card, right? Okay. It's a burner card, essentially. There's no name on it. But you can't purchase a Visa gift card with a Visa. So you have to have cash. (laughs) Okay. When I realized that this team in New Zealand was going to go to the event, I had to immediately run. And I'm I'm serious. I ran down with, well, with my car. I ran to the bank and I withdrew $1,000 because I was hoping I would get two Visa gift cards. And I went to... CVS, and I bought two separate Visa gift cards, $500 on each. Because I was hoping there was a hint that I might have a second person who would do it. And it took extra long because you could only make right turns. Yes. (laughs) Actually, it did take a lot of right turns. Yeah, it is a big circle. So these are those details that people don't think of when they're going to try to, you know, sting a psychic. I mean, there's so much that goes on in behind the scenes that you need to have some experience. This is, it's like detective work. It's not as simple and straightforward as people seem to think. And then I had to have brand new usernames for um, email. I had to create new emails. Mm -hmm. And the emails had to be generic. Right. So I had one for Pat and Joe Martin. Now, Pat could be male, Joe could be male, Mm -hmm. female. It wasn't really saying. And you need common enough names where... He cannot Google them. He can't Google them, but it won't seem suspicious that he can't. Like if it's a Ross Blotcher, then you go, well, why am I not seeing anything for this name? It seems unique. Exactly. So I had to come up with brand new emails and, as you said, common enough names because, look, I don't have time to create Facebook profiles for these people that look real or change the Facebook profiles that I have that look real already, that have a long history. I don't have time to change them into a persona that's going to have a child that's going to go to this event in New Zealand. Right, right. I mean, there's just no way I that, have the time for that. And all of that is time stamped anyway. So it would have had to have been done exactly. a long time ago. So what I have to do is my only choice is I have to funnel Thomas John into only knowing what information he gets on an email Mm -hmm. so this is as simple as i could possibly make it as quickly as i can make it so what i did is i created an email account for the people in new zealand to use and i purchased the visa card and i went and bought the ticket well actually i gave them the visa card number to the woman in new zealand and she purchased the ticket so everything's like over zoom i need to talk to you right now on zoom okay while i'm watching you buy that ticket and as soon as she bought the ticket she gets a confirmation says she's going to the event and then i turn around and i send an email to thomas john and his his assistant saying i'm so excited about going to this event And I gave him the fake information for the fake child that was going to be there, who was 14. We pretended she was 12. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her name is Ida. And that's because I asked, what name do you want your child to be named as? She asked her child. And her child said, I don't know. So I said, okay, your name is Ida. Ida. (laughs) So That's good. She was very sensitive, the, the person who played Ida. She was really worried about hurting other children's feelings that would be in the event. Because I made it clear to them, there will be other children here. And they 
believe or they're being led to believe. You're right. That's going to be a lot of crying. This is going to be a very emotional thing because you're going to know that this isn't real, but those kids don't. So she was, Ida was very upset about harming other people, but she Mm. felt like, you know, this is for the, the good of humanity, I guess. So we've created email accounts. I vetted the email that I sent to Thomas John with a friend who's in New Zealand. I use words like mum, kiora, which is like, hello. It's a a phrase that they all use. Okay. So I ran the email I sent to Thomas John. It was maybe, you know, a paragraph. Which you include in the article. It's in the article. But yeah, just enough whiffs to pass the smell test. Right. And I said, you know, we were really excited. We're fans. My daughter is very shy. She's doing really badly in school because her grandmother just recently died in England. And because of the pandemic, we can't go see her and she couldn't see us and all that. And she was very close to her grandmother and her grandfather still in England. And here's his name. And so we, I told a story. Now, I didn't run this by the team that are playing the characters in New Zealand. So usually you have this whole process where there's been a curated social media profile and you give people a name, but you don't tell them all of that data about themselves. They're supposed to be answering the psychic's questions as themselves and then just mildly confused as to why he's giving details that he's read that's, off of That's there. the double blind. That's the double blind. Yeah. So even you don't know those details, which is Well, usually... if I'm attending, the person attending the event should not know all the details. Okay. But you're organizing this one that's all on a time schedule. So, so I know. So, you, okay, you've written out a backstory right. for them. Absolutely. So the other thing is, is that I sat down with the New Zealand team and I said, you're going to see a psychic if he is real. What would he find? Like who's died? Who's died recently? What are their names? That kind of information, because I didn't want him to accidentally get their information. Or if he did get the information, he should have found it. You know, if he's real psychic, he should have saw through the profiles that I had fakely written and gotten to the real dead persons who really would have been attacked. Right. Theoretically, online research shouldn't even be a part of this. He should just be interacting with human beings and interacting with their spirits that come with them. Right. He should have been able to say, I see that so-and-so has died. This is their name. They're trying to get in touch with you. I see that you're here under false pretenses. Right. You know, that you're being sent here by Susan Gerbeck, who's my biggest nemesis. It would be a credit to him if he could That would be amazing. Yeah. But that's what we expected. And I wanted to rule that all out. All the characters that were created were very not her. And her daughter. Okay. So I got that ticket. And then I was I heard from another team in Utah. Now This, this is my idea. Yeah, this is Mark's idea. He okay. said, why don't you reach out to Bailey Harris, who is a speaker at SciCon. She's yeah. 14 now. I saw that. She's talk written she books. Uh, she's a science she, and a human. She's uh, amazing. She was perfect for this. Yeah. And this is this is a good experience for her. Yes, because yeah. she's she's really involved in the science world and the humanist world. She's and, a published author. And I said, would you want to do this? She's 14, but she's very mature. I said, but you'll have to play the role of a 12-year-old and your mom will have to attend. And the mother was very apprehensive. She's like, I don't know. This is just like, I don't know if I want to do it. And the dad was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll be the one dad. <laughs> he says, I'll do it. And I said, well, okay, but I'd rather it be your wife. And so the wife, McKinsey, said, I'll do it. She says, okay, I'll do it. And she was fabulous. Okay. But you really want 
to be authentic. And if we have a dad there, it just wasn't going to be as authentic. I would be suspicious, put it that way. What happened is that I said, oh man, I've got another person. I've got this other $500 gift card. Thankfully, I'm using two different gift cards because you can see the last four digits of the gift card. Mm -hmm. So I can't have somebody in Utah and somebody in New Zealand having the same same card. Yeah, we can't have that. That would have been a dead giveaway. Obvious, especially when we're talking about eight people attending. So I wrote to... This is assuming Thomas John would even look at the... But they do. Absolutely he did. And if you read Operation Grief Vampire, he sure as heck found me because I made the mistake of using an account that had my name on it. Okay. This reminds me of Jurassic Park. You have the velociraptors constantly just testing the fences. And I feel like this is happening on both sides. There's a little bit of an arms race. (laughs) And so you're constantly testing the fences. He's constantly (laughs) testing the fences. And uh, I think think you end up victorious here. Now I have another person who's going to attend, Bailey Harris. So they were all almost sold out but you bought two tickets right so i wrote an email to thomas john and his assistant and they replied right away and i said i i know this is totally last minute but i really want to get a ticket for my daughter and these are the reasons why because of these things that are happening in her life and i would you know she's such a fan we watched all of the seatbelt psychic you know shows and the story i told in that email was COVID had been really bad in uh, their area. One of her daughter's friends from school's father had died from COVID. Mm. And she was really stressed out that it was going to happen to somebody else in her family. And that there was some riff in the family. Her brother, whose name started with a J, his name is Joshua, had left the house. He didn't want to follow the rules of the house. And he didn't want to get vaccinated. So he had left. I would love if in the letter you had actually said his name starts with a J. (laughs) (laughs) So... She uh, she was very stressed about it. She's not sleeping well. You know, she's very worried that she's somebody else in the family is going to get ill. Yeah. From COVID. And it's just stressful. Everybody's really stressed out. And so I sent that email to Thomas John and I got a response from his assistant saying, yeah, we have another ticket left. Okay. I'm like, oh, almost sold out. <laughs> this is like day yeah, I've bought two. a quarter of the tickets. <laughs> 20% of the tickets on the last few days. We'll see. There's eight spots and you bought two. 25%. I don't do math. That's one quarter. Two out of eight. Yeah. Okay. So. (laughs) I got to say one thing that I really love in all of this is that whenever Thomas John does any of these events now, he has to be asking himself, could this be Susan Gerbic? And he should. That's an important point not worth missing that you have now just kind of planted this bug of fear and trepidation in him i'm sure as he's looking at this email or as his assistants are thinking is this susan could this be susan gerbic we keep escalating it yeah so yeah. it's more and more complicated or it's more and more stories. simple yeah is it the velociraptors <laughs> at the fence <laughs> well no and, and he should yeah. because he's not psychic so he can't use the psychic powers that's just, obvious because there should be other factors in society that make psychics uncomfortable doing what they're doing. You know, he's already sailed past a lot of moral and social cues in what he's doing. And we've already established, you've established, that that he's using a lot of these methods that are not, you know, a true psychic. Right, obviously. Uh, however yeah. you want to define that. Far from it. But what is a true psychic, you know? I, I think we can pretty clearly say he's not, or at least he's certainly not all the mm-hmm. time. So I just like that, that you've installed this additional layer of concern for him. And this is a tactic that Mark had taught me. Thank you. 
Years ago, he said, the psychic is a performer. And just as you can shake up a comedian or a magician or anybody on stage, you can shake up one of these psychics by having somebody in the audience do something that they didn't see happening or all kinds of ways of shaking up the psychic because they don't know who's in the audience. It doesn't have to be Susan Gerbeck. Right. I have a whole team of people that I've trained that could be in the audience. It's heckling. Yeah. And Mark, you can speak from experience because you have you have acted both as a psychic, as a mentalist, as a magician. Yeah. And, and I've been thrown out of a venue. For being a heckler for yourself. Being, yes. Yeah. But on the performer side of things, you don't like any anyone throwing a wrench in the works of your show but now you can tell susan how to throw said wrenches at other performers i i don't sometimes that'll spice up a show when there's a heckler but i don't set out to find one but i know what you mean but you're annoyed when someone's trying to mess with your show is what Absolutely. i'm saying yeah and so then you Any know performer is then you know how to mess with someone else's show it throws off your timing and when your timing gets thrown off Right. Especially with a psychic, it shows that they could not see what's going to happen in the future. Otherwise, they would have asked you to leave. You have an order of operations to the show you're going to do. You're going to spend five minutes doing this, and then you're moving on to this next thing. And now it's all been thrown out the window. Yeah. So here's the rub, then, is we have performers. They're doing shows, and entertainment is a valuable thing. But somewhere here, there's a spectrum from performing and entertaining people to performing people and lying to people. Where, where do you draw the line there? I think we've spoken about this before, we have. haven't we? Like, well, uh, <laughs> no, do you, I, I'm, I'm happy to repeat myself. Let, let's use an example. Carrie and I recently, we played this Kreskin ESP game. I saw or I listened to that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where do you come down on Kreskin? Because he, he would talk about being able to actually read people's minds. Right. Well, I think... Kreskin, like many other performers, he knows his audience and he knows that if he is too skeptical, he's going to lose half of the audience. He's not going to sell any Kreskin games. For the performer, then, that would be his case. You need a little bit of the deception just to make the whole thing work. Right. And he's famous for that. I mean, he's... I mean, that's how I learned to basically play both sides of the fence. Yeah. Is from people like Kreskin. Okay. Yeah, he was kind of a master of it. I don't especially admire that, but if you're going to get the attention and you're going to get a reputation, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get it saying you're a mentalist and you're a skeptic. Right. Although we will see what happens with the Banachek show. Ah. I'm really interested to see how yeah. that goes. He's what... also got to ride that line. We know which camp he's in. Yeah. But he's yeah. also got to sell his abilities. Yeah. So he says he's he's using the five senses to create the illusion of a six. Darren Brown is another person yeah. who talks a lot about, I'm using psychology. But and... Darren Brown muddies it quite a bit. Right. He does. So again, this is a traditional thing that psychic entertainers, as they're called, will do. It's just to the degree of how far you want to go with it. There's multiple sliding scales there. And when you decide to puncture that suspension of disbelief and... And then also what you do when people come to you afterwards saying, well, I know you really have these abilities. Yeah, I don't don't prefer to puncture the balloon and I get a lot of flack for that. Right. But if I'm in a skeptics conference, hey, figure it out. Okay. (laughs) That's on on you. You have to you have to figure out. Yeah, it depends on the venue. If somebody would hire me an agent or something and say, we want you to do your act. I just think that 
we can get into a whole thing on disclaimers. And, but Kreskin never did a disclaimer. Yeah. Ever. Well, well, like at the end of his show, I screen grabbed it and I'll show it to you later. But like very briefly, it says we are not relying on any, you know, mental supernatural, supernatural powers. Right. right. This was all it's done. It's the thing I, I got like from for your, half your a show. second. It's a freaking board game. You know, and yet, like, and yet, it's also referred to as experimentation and attempt. Like, like what I told Susan yesterday after listening to it, it's like it's a board game. It's something to goof around with. If something comes out of it, yeah, that's an extra added attraction. Yeah, but, you know, you he he wants to encourage you to think that if there's a coincidence or something, that it's something special, right? But if, if you spend a lot of time with. Kreskin's ESP game, and I have one. Oh, okay. Something's bound to happen. So, you know, yeah, again, statistically. It's, it's, it's this idea that, and mediums have done this for decades, is people expect mediums to come up with something. So they feed you a little bit just right. in case. Yes. And that's just, I mean... And then you cash Pal- in on the, the wonderful coincidence. Eusacea Palladino was famous for saying, you know, these people make me cheat. They come to my seances and they want to see something happen. So I have to trick them. And another one of those sliding scales is kind of what's going on inside the head of the person who's <laughs> performing this. And she so must have she's been chosen to attack like, well, it's on them. They, yeah, they, did not, it they make me. me trick themselves. One other question that I had that okay. maybe you can answer for me is just, did Randy himself ever go after Kreskin in any way? I couldn't find any materials. I don't think so because they were contemporaries. Okay. I couldn't find him writing about Kreskin negatively. No, I don't think so because, you know... I just wondered what his opinion was. I don't know. We never talked about him. Okay. But I think that he probably had the same opinion everybody else does. It's yeah. Like, you know, he's... That being said, Kreskin did some really amazing Kreskin things, sure. you know? And yeah. I, I have a couple effects that I do, like when he was on Larry King and he did these complicated three-person things in three different cities and tied them all together. It was brilliant. So, you yeah. know, it was psychic entertainment. But here's where I draw the line, going back to your question. Right. He never made anybody cry. Oh. He never told people that he's talking to their missing or murdered child. That would be the personal line that he would draw. He just never went there. Okay. He was clearly an entertainer. Mm-hmm. And he, he that was apparent from the get-go because he was so nerdy and everything. Yeah. You know, he wasn't playing the part of a psychic. Yeah. I, I just I find this whole spectrum fascinating and Me too. And and there are certain <laughs> there are certain lines you can draw, like making someone cry or talking to them about a dead relative or yeah. reaching out to children, as right. we are in this case. Yeah. Are you involving kids in all of this? There's a certain level of vulnerability. I mean, the Kreskin game has a picture of him with a Dracula cape on the front. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. so he's very going, campy. He's going for a certain audience, but clearly he's not taking himself seriously. And he very seldom did take himself seriously. And I have seen him on Johnny Carson enough times. Did you happen to see this? This was how the game was sold in Australia and Britain. Exact same kit, exact same Frank game. Queens. Yeah, Frankine's ESP. <laughs> so he was just he another. Probably sold it or something. Yeah, it was just a kit, and who knows how much. And here's Preston the thing: had to do with the original. A pendulum is a scientific fact. Oh yeah, the idiomotor effect. response it's is a real. scientific fact, and all it is is selling that as something supernatural, which is you can do with all sorts of scientific facts because people aren't aware that it's science. He does make it clear 
doesn't he? That it's it's science, the idiomotor response. He names it. Yeah, so, he mentions anyway, that. Anyway, we're kind of getting off. Yeah, that was a sidebar. Well, thank Very you, interesting. Thank though. you for indulging me in the sidebar. No problem. And while we're coming out of a sidebar, I'll interrupt to tell you a bit about brushing your teeth. That's right. We're talking about Quip. You know him. You love him. And I got to say, mouthwash has not changed in 140 years. I know that's very specific. Most brands are still selling these big bulky bottles that are mostly water, right? But the oral care experts at Quip, they created a mouthwash that gives you more of the ingredients you need and less of the stuff that already comes out of your faucet. Plus, their alcohol-free 4X concentrated mouthwash comes in an eco-friendly refill bottle that's 100% recyclable. It's their way of helping make your mouth a little cleaner and the earth a little greener. So we've talked before about Quip's toothbrushes. In fact, I was just remarking this morning, this thing never runs out of battery power. It's pretty impressive. And Quip not only makes electric toothbrushes, but also floss. You just heard me talking about the mouthwash. And that mouthwash comes in this, I don't know, it's like kind of a obelisk shape. And, uh, you know, it looks stylish. It's a little piece of modern art people ask you about. What is that thing? It's my mouthwash. And along with mouthwash, Quip also delivers fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills every three months from $5. And shipping is free, so you can save money and skip the hustle and bustle of in-store shopping. And if you go to getquip.com slash ono5 right now, you can get $5 off a mouthwash starter kit. That's $5 off a mouthwash starter kit, which includes a refillable dispenser and a 90-day dose supply of Quip's 4X concentrated formula at getquip.com slash ono5. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash ono5. That's just the number five. Quip. The Good Habits Company. And hey, while you're shopping online, let me tell you about Honey. You know how these podcast ads go. We give you a code at the end that you put in the discount field when you're checking out. Well, Honey is special because it doesn't just give you one promo code. Honey gives you millions of promo codes. And they're all right there waiting for you in your browser Here's how it works. When you shop, like usual, on lots of your favorite sites, Honey will automatically fill in the promo code box for you at checkout. Plus, Honey knows where to look for promo codes that are hard to find on your own. It's like getting a million promo codes from this one little podcast app. And and it's something you install in your browser. So whether you use Chrome or Firefox, or I was going to name some obscure browsers, but I don't don't want to make any promises. Uh, But, you know, if you use a major browser, you can add Honey to it. And I will just always be there in the background. And I really appreciate this because as I'm shopping online, it looks for codes in the background and suggests them to me and you know saves me money on pizza saves me money on things we buy for our investigations it's there waiting and and sometimes it'll have you know four promo codes or 16 but it'll run through them and it'll let you know which one is the cheapest and then automatically apply it to your cart so really it's just a smart way to navigate the internet and it does that for me every day you know because i'm shopping online like all of us are uh, so it's, it's super helpful to have in the background even if it doesn't have a code i at least have the assurance that i'm not missing out on one that i should have so get all the promo codes honey can find at joinhoney.com slash oh no that's joinhoney.com slash o-h-n-o all right well i guess it's time to get back to the interview except wait a second what is this ticker tape feeding through the vent over my head this is strange what is this it's a jumbotron oh a jumbotron okay looks like this is for Maeve, my incredible wife not my incredible wife but orion's incredible wife 
Orion says, Dearest darling Maeve, thank you for eight glorious years of blissful marriage. You are so cool and you are my hero. And thank you for introducing me to our favorite podcast, On Rack, and our personal heroes, Ross and Carrie. Being on this life journey of learning and loving with you is the greatest pleasure of my life. I love you. Peas forever. And yes, that's peas as in the vegetable or legume. Ah, oh, well, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Happy eight-year anniversary, Maeve and Orion. And with that, we will return to the interview with Susan and Mark. Okay, so now we're all waiting with bated breath. Oh. We bought two tickets. <laughs> we have Tom- bought two tickets. Thomas John has not yet shown any indication that he knows that these are plants. He has no idea. He, I received a message the day before to both emails. Can you please give me the name of the child who will be attending because Thomas John wants to meditate over it for a while. Oh, yeah. Convenient, right? Yeah, that is convenient. That's funny. Carrie and I are preparing to do a psychic show and we, we, <laughs> we are meditate. finding ways to get names from the organizers in it. Oh, yeah. I like that. We need to meditate on it. We need to meditate. Yeah. So, what ends up happening is remember, the whole goal was I wanted to be able to watch this. I want my team to be able to watch it. And I want the NBC reporter to be able to watch this event in live. So, I don't know about you. You've been living on Zoom. I've been living on Zoom for a year and a half. Oh, yeah. A right? lot of time okay. on Zoom. Now, this isn't in the article. so Ooh, um, exclusive. There's a lot that I had to take out of that article. So when you are on Zoom with a group of people, oftentimes people, well, we didn't have any notice that there was going to be a pandemic and that we we're all going to be living on Zoom. Right. So we didn't have everything ahead of time figured out. Everybody trained how to use these uh, cam. Webcams. Yeah, webcams, phones and all that. So what ends up happening to some people is they need two devices to get into a Zoom event. They need one for audio and one for video. Right. Okay. So that's common. So you will see somebody maybe out of a room of 50 people, at least one person is going to need two devices. Yes. Okay. So what I did is, you know, they sent me the The Zoom link, right? right? I have the Zoom link. It's going to work for anybody. Exactly. It worked for anybody. So I was able to, when the day happens and we're sitting there... And I practiced with these team members, the Utah team and the New Zealand team, Mark and I, and a couple of the people from my Girl of Skeptic team, we practiced with them over Zoom. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what they were going to be doing. They didn't know what their story was. I mean, they knew briefly what their story was, but they didn't know all the details. So what I was able to do is at the appointed hour in the middle of the afternoon on a Monday, they logged in to the Zoom and the New Zealand team on the Zoom account said her name, her fake name, obviously. Mm-hmm. And same with the Utah team. It had a fake name. Oh, yeah. When you're doing all your prep work, do they all have to be using their fake names yes. to get used to them? Yes. They had to use uh, their fake names. I love how much work you put into this, even on short <laughs> but it notice. Was so, it really wasn't that hard because I, I guess I've done these a bunch of times. They had fake names showing up on their screens. I put a fake name on my Zoom screen, which said... Pat's iPhone. Ah. And I had a fake photo. This was one of my main questions because you said that you were present on the call. You were in the list of participants. You can see that you're there. So I was wondering, how did you get away with that? Because he's nervous about you. Uh He suspects you or other people who might be watching him. And they have the ability to kick out anybody they don't know. So you masqueraded as... The iPhone of one of the people who had a ticket. Exactly. Smart. And that's not in the article. Smart. Because <laughs> oh, I wasn't sure I was going to use it again. Because I run a bunch of Zoom meetings and my first thought was, well, if I don't 
recognize this number. And you said he even acknowledged it. Yeah. I would just kick that person out. Right. Okay. So very smart. Well, well thank done. you. Thank you. Appreciate that. There's desperation. I had to get into the Zoom event. So what happened is as soon as she logged in and we're all following each other, we have a group chat on Messenger in the lower right hand corner of the screen. Uh-huh. The little messages pop off and we practice this. So it's the Utah team, the New Zealand team, Mark Edward, myself, and one of my other team members. We're in this little group chat, but we didn't have a lot of conversation because I wanted them to, when I put a message on there, they saw it instantly. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to go screen back and we were just chatting or anything. So what happened is uh, New Zealand logs into Zoom. She says, I'm in. And then immediately I, using the iPhone screen name. Yeah. And I had a little picture of a duck floating in the water as my user picture. <laughs> decoy. It, it's a decoy. Is that at all a reference to the unsinkable rubber ducks? Oh, no, but that's good. <laughs> I didn't even realize it was a decoy until one of my other team members pointed out, oh, look, you had a decoy. That's fine. And I thought, oh, that is really good. It was just a picture of a duck that I had. That's so great. I log in immediately after as the audio. So one of them is on mute. One of them's on so not on mute. you got timed out so you look like the same, same person. Same person. And Smart. she he had we had rehearsed so if he had said something to her about why are you here with two uh devices devices she was gonna just fluster and say oh i don't know this is how we have to do it i don't really know how i'd have to ask my son or my husband or whoever i don't really know how but this is how i have to do it whenever we talk to our family <laughs> she was just gonna get make up yeah, like a that would work i don't know if i if i don't do this i'll have to get off and i don't know what i mean you know I, she was gonna be like that uh-huh. So we practiced that. So she she signs in under two devices. So now I can see everything and hear everything. Okay. I'm muted and my screen is, the video is off. So mm-hmm. it's just a picture of a duck, <laughs> right? I'm like looking at him yeah. and the other people on the screen just perfectly. It was an amazing setup. Yeah. My, it was, her war room looked like. Yeah, my war room. So <laughs> what, I, what I did is now I want the NBC reporter who ghosted me. She never showed up. Okay. So the NBC reporter, I had it set up for her so she could see this. And I had my team all set up for it. So what I did is I put a tripod in front of my monitor, put my iPhone on the tripod, pointed it at the screen, and then I live did a live Facebook feed to the Operation Grief Vampire group that I have on Facebook. It's a private group. Oh, wow. So my team... Is an Operation Grief Vampire. And now they're watching. And they're watching it live. Live from the war room. Live from the war room over my iPhone that is in in the event as somebody's iPhone from New Zealand. Over Thomas John's dead body. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a stack you've got here. So the NBC reporter was in the Operation Grief Vampire group. She she could have been there. I put her in there. Uh Uh-huh. In anticipation that she would be able to watch this and record it if she wanted to. Mm-hmm. It was all recorded because it's a Facebook Live, right? So so let's uh, set this stage again. Yes, so please. Thomas John has put out this call. You've tried to cancel it to no avail. It's going to go on. You've got children 5 through 12 who've been recruited. They're all there with their parents. So we've got eight families. Two of them are... They're uh, mine. Yeah, they're yours. They're in your pocket. Thomas John is there, and the show begins. Right. Now, he. one of the first thing he says is, oh, see, there's 10 people on this call. He said he made some mention of, well, just ignore that. 
Okay. Because that's just somebody needs to use. You, you've sold it as the secondary device. Right. So he's kind of like, he Which he is a real thing. It. It's a good alibi. He notices it. He sees it. He points it out and says, ignore it. It would have gotten past me as a Zoom master. Well, yeah, of course it should. It's just how we have to function on Zoom these days. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't realize I'm staring right at him. <laughs> now, I am his biggest critic. And the money that I used to get in there, the $800, yeah. was supplied by a grant given to me by... James Randi. By the James Randi Educational Foundation. Yes. So that's good to hear because a lot of people know that the million dollar challenge isn't being actively used and there there aren't really active operations at JRF right now, but you were able to get a grant. He gave me a grant a long time, well, about three years ago or so that allowed me to become a nonprofit for all okay. the stuff I do. Okay. So we are a nonprofit if anybody wants to donate to reimburse us for this. But okay. the $800 okay. that I used came from that nonprofit. So the money came directly from James Randi. So you would think that Thomas John would have known that his biggest critic is staring at him. And the money came from James Randi Educational <laughs> Foundation. You can't ask for a and the larger two- <laughs> looming figure. Even, even now that he's passed away, he is still... Yes, he's still looming in our conversation. I miss him very fantastic. much. Fantastic. He could have said, wait, I'm feeling negative presences. I'm feeling dark money from an evil bearded overlord. I, I can see for certain d- disclaimers for psychics that, well, I'm not attuned to X, I'm not attuned to Y, but you've left a lot of oh, we've, breadcrumbs yes. here that he could have picked up on. Right. But he's going to go forward with this two-hour Right. Workshop. It's really bad juju. Okay. Uh, I mean, it is like the worst for a psychic. If he was really psychic, he should have picked up on it. And, I, and this isn't the only operations I've done. All through the pandemic, we've been doing these Zoom calls. I'm writing about them. I called them Operation Lemon Meringue. Uh, if anybody wants to look <laughs> oh, those up. getting hungrier. <laughs> Meringue is a hard word to spell. Right. I have it on a little post-it <laughs> on my computer. Meringue. So I, yeah. So it, anyway, so the point is, is that this is all ready to go. He starts off with an induction, maybe 10 minutes. That's basically called stalling. Okay. It was stalling because he's got two hours to fill. He does What was it, like a benediction? Is he just like saying nice things, oh. talking about his abilities? Is he introducing people? Close your eyes, relax. Yeah, think of the person that you want to be in touch okay. with. It's, sure. So listeners, you should be aware that after this event was over, he sent me the video for the whole event. To both of those accounts. So it was recorded. I recorded it. But but he he also recorded it. And and you can tell as an audience member, it'll say in the upper left corner, recording. Yes. Okay. So he sent it to me. So I have the whole event. Authorized recording. Yes, I have an authorized recording. So, okay. So we go into it. I think that I will leave a lot of the content for the article. Right. And in the article, you can read a lot of the back and forth. You've changed the names of the people, but you talk exactly about the kind of information he's putting out. I'm getting a C. There's a father figure who's watching you. Something about boats. Jasmine, there's, I did feel like there's um, two energies that I'm feeling for you. Um, One feels like a relative and then one Um, feels like a spirit guide. Um, So I feel like one thing is you you have a spirit guide that helps you a lot with your creativity. Um, And I don't know if that's something... um, Are are you creative at all, uh, Jasmine? Yeah, I do. I do like paint a lot and everything, yeah. Oh, you paint a lot? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So that might be something that's important because I felt like they were showing me that um, you actually have a specific guide that works with you for your creativity stuff. But you you give all of those little prompts and 
give us an indication of how tenuous these connections are. They're right. It's a pretty light reading. Yes, and if you read this... In for $400. For $400. Right. For $200 an hour. Comes out to $3,200 in the end that he made from this two hours. Yeah. And I'm sure he did But per person, wait a second, now I'm just curious, uh, per minute, how much are you spending? <laughs> So you spent four hundred dollars for one hundred twenty minutes. So you know three dollars and thirty three cents per minute. That's about right. It's about nine hundred line prices. Really. Okay, okay, That's pretty darn good. So you could talk to oh, is it Chloe? <laughs> <laughs> Who was it? There was the big Cleo. Uh, Cleo, that's right. She's in prison. You're not going to be talking. You can talk. You, to you her. Can talk She's got to be out by now. Back in the day, you could talk to Cleo for that amount. Three ninety nine a minute or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's about right. Oh, good. I had to make a transcript. One of my team members made a transcript of everything. So then I had to go through. I've I've listened to this audio. Oh gosh, tons of times because I had to make sure that the transcript matched up with the the audio and I have <laughs> clips of the video. I have all that. So every time I talk to Susan. I just think, you know, you would never want to be on Susan's bad side because she will outthink you. She will outwork you. She... I appreciate that. that. That's sweet, I guess. Yeah. I want to sweet. live my life in such a way that Susan is happy with me. <laughs> well, Amen to that, bro. <laughs> so they called me. Now, Ross and I go back years. And uh, I was always called Ross of the North. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's, an honor, that? that's an honor for me. I was Ross of the North when we were both involved in the IIG. So, yeah. Because I lived so far north in, I guess we had similar characteristics. They, That's great. They thought. So, okay. So when you read this article, Operation Onion Ring, it has a breakdown of everything that was said, not direct transcribed, but I... Give the gist of it. Yeah. And it's all there. And the article's really long to read. And I've heard that some criticism from people saying, well, it was too long. You know, I didn't want to read it. And I was like, well, you remember these things called books? We used to do <laughs> to read those too. This is a lot shorter than a book. But the reason why I have this in here... And it will here, probably be in a book. Yeah, it'll be Yeah, in a book. we got to talk about right. that. Right. So what I did is I, I went through each person and I renamed them and I changed the circumstances. So like if it said Lake Huron, I changed it to Lake Superior or whatever, because I didn't want to reveal these people. But I, enough content is in there that when these children grow up and mm -hmm. they are using whatever the equivalent of Google is in the future, yeah. they will be able to find this. Oh, so yeah. the reason why I went into the great depth was I didn't want to hide anything I didn't want to release the video because obviously I don't have permission to. Yeah, you don't want to expose them to further uh, yes. exposure. Yeah, the things that we did. I wanted to make it so that they will be able to find this article in years. Oh, they, that's... They will, and they will see the reading. And yeah. they will see my breakdown of it and explaining it. I mean, it was just it was really awful. And as we've talked about with psychic reading so many times, their recollection may be very different. Exactly. what you write, but they'll know that yours is backed up by transcripts. And, and keep in mind, my team that. is watching this at the same time that this is happening. So mm -hmm. they are able to take the person's name that they see on the Zoom screen and go immediately to their Facebook profile and obituaries or whatever. And so as Thomas John is saying, you know, I'm getting um, a woman who she's dancing a lot, lots of makeup. She's as this is happening, uh, my team is able to Google or uh, look at the Facebook pages of the people in real time. So my gorilla skeptics could say, I think he's going to talk about a dog next because it was uh, a dog that died. Yeah. And then Thomas John will say, so oh, I'm getting a dog. Thomas so John himself could have looked all this up in advance, but your team can demonstrate just with no advanced knowledge of who's going to be a participant, just how much data they can dig up and, and how, we were. how psychic they are. Right. But we don't have 10. Yeah. How psychic they are. But we only had 10 minutes and he's moving on to the next person. So that's why I went into a lot of detail on the uh, article that I wrote. I want to mention that it was just 
really sad because as we're looking, you know, I reviewed this video so many times, as I said, and as I did, it was obvious mm. that these children had gone to multiple psychics. I mean, they would say, oh, normally we get a man who comes through and it turns out to be my cousin. And then Thomas John would immediately get the cousin that usually normally comes through. Oh, yes, I am getting a man mm. who was, did he die young? And, and the women are are cutting to the chase. They're like, like at one point, Thomas John asks a woman, I'm getting a, a male spirit somewhere and right. or a, a woman spirit. And the mother's immediately interrupts this. She wants to talk to her dad who died. Right. She gets like right into it. Hey, we paid $400. Yeah. I want to hear about, yeah. You're going to give us 10 minutes. Let's go right to the let's dad. Let's make sure we talk to the person we want to talk yes, to. And that's yeah. what kept happening over and Can over. Can I talk about the tissue box? Well, there was the tissue box. It was the parent pulled up the tissue box. I know, but it's a it's a classic thing. Um, mediums have done it myself uh, when I've done private readings is you have a box of tissues under the table. And when you get to the point where the sitter is looks like they're going to start crying, mm -hmm. you bring the tissue box out. And then sure. the deluge happens. After they cried it out and used the tissues, you say, you'll never have to experience that again. Hmm. So it gives them some closure. Sneaky, but it, it's an old trick. Clever way to bring it home. Okay. So in this particular video... Mother takes a box of tissues and gives it to the kid, and the kid starts I'm crying. I'm sure Thomas John uh, could ask for no better. And there was a lot of crying. These children, mm. these children were really traumatized. And I felt like my opinion of what was going on to these poor kids is they felt special. Um, they used to see spirits. They had been in contact with the dead. And they were starting as they're growing older. And their grief is starting to leave them to some extent. These are like six-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old kids, yeah. they're starting to go on with their lives. They don't have the same feeling of that they're, you know, of course they miss their dad, but they, in some cases, they didn't even have time to know the dad. I mean, you got a six-year-old and the father died three years ago. Right. And here's where the vampirism comes in, right. is that you're being pulled back to this grief. And, and the kids are, the mothers are saying, oh, he used to always see my mom or he used to see this and he used to, you know, and now he's not seeing it anymore. And so what happened is the child is growing up, mm -hmm. but the parent is not allowing them to grow up. They're like, no, no, we need to be pulled back into this grief again. Because, of course, the parent's still experiencing grief. Right. So they're like, no, hmm. no, we have to come back to this again. We have to, we have to just mold this over. We have to have endless sessions with mediums. And the children, one girl, she was 12, she was crying a lot because she is no longer special. And you felt that with the way that Thomas John was talking to her and the way the parent was talking about how oh, she right. used to I be special. Oh, right. I remember that, that your, your spirit guides have given you some space. You're growing you're not up, as connected. blah, blah, blah. But it's going to come back to you. And she was crying, thinking about how, you know, she wanted so badly to have dreams about her grandparents. She wanted to be special in her mom's mind you know her mom yeah. saw her as a special person my, able to contact the dead herself my sense of this workshop correct me if i'm wrong is not only that there were going to be readings for young people but that it was sort of cultivating this ability that they might have right trying because to he teaches mediumship right okay for a fee of course mm -hmm. so that was part of it the social media he was reading was obviously the parents there was no social media for the children he was reading. Instead of saying your mom, he would say your grandmother because he read that from, mm. you know, whoever's 
Facebook page. It was uh, pure vampirism, really relying on the vulnerable bits of these children. It was, it and was were sad. Th- were there particular nuggets of information that he said that you were able to then point to on social media and say, this is where he got that? Oh, definitely. Okay. Yes, absolutely. There were many cases where we could say that he was looking at the same Facebook page my team was looking at. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was obvious. It was beyond obvious. So what ends up happening is that he gives a lot of platitudes to the children. Oh, I see that you like to color. You like animals. You're going to grow up to be a strong person someday. Just things that were just general No, false. Things. I'm going to grow up to be a weak person. Yeah, How dare you? I'm going to die early. I hate you know? animals. <laughs> I hate animals and I hate to draw. Yeah, and I'll never be an artist. <laughs> absolutely not. Things you can't argue against. Absolutely. And then he gives them this, oh, it's just the worst cold reading. I mean, it was cold reading 101. I'm seeing coins. Do, oh, yeah. do they send you songs? Oh, yeah. The butterflies as well. Butterflies, it's, yeah. It's such a smart tactic because it's all going to pay off in the future. Maybe you can remember some incidents recently with coins or butterflies, but now you've implanted an image and an association in these people's minds. And now whenever they see coins, they're going to be, oh, it's Uncle Fred trying to talk to us. Do the lights go on and off? Yeah. Oh, the flickering <laughs> lights. Yeah, that's it's, another it was one. Just <gasps> the awful. lights flickered. And oh, it's Grandma. She's here. It. She loves us. Absolutely. They were buying it to such an extent. It was just it was so stressful. You say that they were buying this, they were eating it up. What was your sense of how everybody felt? They they did feel satisfied? Did they enjoy this? They were this? crying. Um, they There was a, a lot of tears. There so was it was a, effective. Even a one or a two on your scale of, uh, of a psychic, he could get those kind of reactions. Oh, yeah. Him. Yeah, he had him crying. I think there was a lot of frustration, too, because... I think the parents realized that they just got scammed for $400. Because really, when it came down to it, there was no substance there. It was reaffirming things like, are you getting coins? And they say, yes, we're getting coins. And he's like, right, because I hear that they're giving you coins. That was like the But these are true believers. They brought their children into this. Right. Do you think that they were actually unhappy with what they were getting for their money? When you've paid $400, you want to be happy with what you, you right. will find. Yes, the sunk cost fallacy. Yes, you will find ways of so making, think being happy with you that. You, on their behalf, you were annoyed at their I was, investment. It, it was awful. Okay. Just some but, of the worst I've ever seen. But they I'm were sure, happy. I'm They're, sure most of the parents live to regret it. Okay. In good time. Yes. But for now, they're going to leave four or five star reviews. No, I don't know. Maybe not? No, because it was so general. Okay. When you listen or read the, the transcripts. But you know that. We know that here. We're experts in this. That's thing. true. That's true. I felt like they all, they probably did leave saying he did get in contact with the people we wanted him to get in contact with. Okay. And he was spot on. Yes. He yeah. was spot on. They, they do a lot of the legwork for him. Yeah. But then you're sitting there going, oh, that was awful. <laughs> it was, it was. He, that was so low energy. It was so awful. It, I couldn't believe it. So our people are last. A lot of stalling. And, and just by happenstance, your people are last? I think it's because their tickets were purchased last. Oh, interesting. Okay. Chronological order. Because it went in the order of. Ticketological order. Because <laughs> our New Zealand team was first and then the Utah team was second. Okay. That makes sense that you want to kind of reward the people who signed up first. I don't know. But it was the kids were obviously 
tired. You could see them in the two hour video. Um, they turn off their screen and go off and have something to eat, I guess, and come back. And they were losing their attention. There was one kid looked like he was asleep, uh, you know, <laughs> listening to the other people read. And the parents would wander off and the child would just be sitting there looking at the screen. <laughs> yeah, because they've been doing school from Zoom. That's got to be tough as a performer, just thinking from running right. a meeting to engage people in such a way that they don't just fall asleep. Yeah. I don't think he cares. He didn't care. He got his money. No. He got his money. So the first up is Pat and Ida. That's a New Zealand team. Mm -hmm. And he... Now, my team doesn't know what to answer for the questions that are on the email because I supplied an email to Thomas John with just certain facts. And he could not Google them. There was no way to Google them because their names are so common. Mm -hmm. And so the New Zealand team is sitting there and they're crying at key moments and nodding their heads. And, the you twisted know, tissue, you know, dabbing yeah. at their eyes. Yeah. So they were, they were amazing. They, they were just were amazing. really good. So here's what happened is he gets in with them and he starts talking to them about the things that are directly in the emails that I sent. Okay. Okay. Now they don't know what's in those emails. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you've just planted this extremely awkward situation and then you just get to watch it play out as Pat's iPhone. Yes. It's called improv. Yeah. So, so what is happening is on Facebook Messenger, Mark, myself, and another team member and the New Zealand team and the Utah team are on this Facebook Messenger. So when Thomas John says something to them, then I or one of my team members writes the answer we want them to give. Onto Facebook Messenger. Okay. Oh, I see. So there's see. a delay. So when you look at the <laughs> video. You're feeding them lines. <laughs> That's great. So you can't, you know, the general audience can't see this video. I haven't released it, but I will give it to you to look at. And if you want to use it for bits of this podcast, that's fine. So there's a delay. So what you'll see is Ida and Pat are sitting there on their couch. And Thomas John says something like, um, your grandmother died and I, I'm sensing she was in London and Ida's really stressed out about it and, and so on. Is that correct? And then they pause, look at each other, <laughs> Susan, look it? down at the screen and, and see the Facebook messenger. And I say, yes, correct. And then they look at the screen at Thomas John and say, yes, that's correct. And then look like they're crying or whatever. <laughs> it's very a very fair technique. You know? Okay. You're using his own technique yeah I, I like that there's the conversation happening on zoom and then there's this meta conversation of the people feeding information to thomas john the people feeding information i know it's so confusing I, I feel bad for anybody listening to this it you really got to look at the article i guess because it is kind of confusing and and just even explaining it and I'm, I'm sitting here trying to explain this and i'm thinking lord how in the world do i explain this but yeah so okay so they don't know what the information they only have a very basic information of what is on their email that was sent to Thomas John. And I think I exchanged three emails with Thomas John's people for each person. It was like, because it was postponed. You know, we got a message saying it's been postponed. And I was like, oh, I hope everything's okay. And so the first person, the New Zealand team, he goes through and he, he reads back to them everything that was on the email I sent, basically, okay. just in his own words. Yeah. Right. And they cry and they look like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then the next team up is Julian Jasmine. That's um, Bailey Harris. Bailey Harris, mm. right. Mm. And her mother, Mackenzie. And her father was sitting there the whole time, but you couldn't see him. He was off screen. He was managing the Facebook conversation. So he was still involved. He was still involved. So all three okay. of them were sitting there all this time. 
again, the same thing. So there was one point that Thomas John moved in right off with saying that one of her friend's fathers had died of COVID, something like that. And Bailey missed the message that I had put on there saying agree to that. And she missed it. And so Thomas John got very frustrated with her because she didn't confirm what he had just said. So this lazy softball so, that he gets from the email. So then he moves on to something else that was on the email. And Bailey realizes that I had said, agree to that, agree to that. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and so she's agreeing with everything else that Thomas John is saying. And then he goes back to the father who had died and Bailey or Mackenzie sees a message and then they realize that they missed it. And then she goes back and says, oh, yes, that's my friend's father. And he's like, well, that's who it was I was talking about at the beginning. You know, he's arguing with them Uh because the only person who knows that information are myself and Thomas John, right? not the people who are attending the event. And another thing that happens so often in interactions with psychics is that the exchange becomes more about verifying their ability than it becomes about consoling That's or right. giving useful oh, information. It's just like, see, I got that. Remember when I said blah, blah, blah? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Good for you. Is this for you? Are we helping you right no, now? No, no. We're helping me with $400. <laughs> One of the things that you can't see because you're not looking at the video is that Bailey is very concerned, or Jasmine, the character she's playing, very concerned about, are we protected? She's really concerned about being protected. And so what happens is, one of my Facebook friends suggested, who was in on this too, she says, since the people who are attending are atheists, why don't you put some religious memorabilia in the background? Oh, good idea. So Bailey printed out a picture of a very Catholic-looking picture of the Virgin Mary. That's what it was. And put it in a frame and put it in the bookcase next to her. Right in the shot. Oh, right in the shot. Just to see if he would say something about Catholicism. Or well, it was rosaries. obvious that he was definitely leaning that way because her whole reading was all very religious about guardian angels, Archangel Gabriel, I think was oh, wow. mentioned. A lot of religious metaphors. Eagle, she has an eagle guide that's protecting her. But right in the shot behind Bailey's body, where you can clearly see it, is this Virgin Mary in a frame. So okay. it was brilliant because it showed. <laughs> really <laughs> it was, flavored it was, the reading. Yeah, my friend that thought that this might be a good idea was, boy, she was spot on. And we didn't really, you know, it was at the last minute we thought of something like this. So he, Thomas John, went on and he argued with my Utah team a little bit and read off exactly what had happened. There was a question and answer period at the very end where he said, you know, do you guys have any other questions? And I was responding to Bailey and I was telling her, really hammer this home that your brother left the house and that I want to make sure this is very clear. So Bailey, you know, she's acting Mm -hmm. really great job. All my teams, both of the teams did fabulous. She brought in and she reiterated the question again about her brother. And Thomas John said he paused and it was about a 10 second pause where he was thinking He says, okay, I've connected with him. I see him now. You know, um, yes, he's going to go his own way, but it's going to be fine. And so he connected with her brother that she doesn't have that left the house. I mean, none of this is true. It's all fake. (laughs) So he connected with him. And uh, I have that all on video too. Wow. In the end, we didn't expose this in the end. Nobody jumped up and said, you're fake. Right. People are always asking me that question. Which is very much akin to how Carrie and I conduct our investigations. We're not there to talk people out of it. Yeah, we leave and then we talk about later on. You do more research. You figure out what happened. Absolutely. So that's what ended up happening is we left the readings. The next day I received an email from him with the video that I have. 
All the more reason not to, in the meeting, shout and make a commotion because no one will send you a video. So none of that was exposed. And and in Operation Onion Ring, when you read this, you can see that there is no calling anybody out. There's nothing that happens at all. And the the goal was just to be able to write this article and to be able to expose what happened. Having failed to cancel the event altogether. Yes, I badly wanted to cancel the event. So I think that's it. It's kind of a big nutshell. Yeah. But um, it's all in the article, Operation Onion Ring on Skeptical Inquirer. Yeah, get all the additional details. Sorry and- it's so long, but that's how it is. <laughs> hey, it's a it's a complex story. And thank you, you showed up so we don't have to. I was thinking that too. I wanted to not have anybody show up. <laughs> I thought right. of that. Like, yeah, you tried to send everybody away. I said, but nobody you... should be attending this All event. right, well, you're making me. Now, when you wrote the article, you said Thomas John has had no whiff of this. And this will be the first time I've talked about it. Have you gotten any response from him or his people? No, nope. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Nothing from the press. Oh. And I know he's seen this article because what we do is after I publish an article, somebody will go and post it on his Facebook and his Twitter. Oh, wow. He immediately has it deleted and he bans the person, you know. Sure. So So I know he's seen it because it's put out in front of him. And I also know he has Google alerts for his own name. Of course. And I put his name all over the article so he couldn't miss it. So I know he's seen it. It's a long article. I assume he's read it. Well, in case you're listening. Hi, TJ. Yeah, TJ. It's on, you know. I'll be there for you. Don't worry. I'm following you. Well, I, I love it. I love how you work, Susan. I, I love what you both do when you get in on these investigations and re- really make them work for it. And and I think you're providing such a valuable service. One is what we've talked about in making these people uncomfortable and wary, you know, as they should be. And, and it just makes them work a little bit harder and not be quite as... They'd uh, be more uncomfortable behind bars, but yeah. we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, we're I don't working know if we can that. get there. But I, even more important than that is what you're doing just to educate people about these tactics. You provide an inoculation because later mm-hmm. on, when they are sitting there in one of these performances, they'll see it as such... And then their mind will be engaged, seeing exactly what's happening. Oh, I gave you that information. You're running with it. That's interesting. Oh, you must have seen the picture of Mary behind me because you're saying this now. Right. All of that is incredibly valuable. And I have heard from people. People do write to me from time to time saying they've read my articles. Yeah. And they realized how he did it. And that's such a huge service. So uh, thank you for doing it. And thanks for coming to tell us the story on the show. I am so grateful that you guys came all the way over here to Salinas to Catnip Corners <laughs> to uh, record this today. It's an amazing place. And like I say, once you've got everything out and set up, oh, yeah. uh, you've got all when these the great construction's over. Charge admission because uh, it's, <laughs> it's a good show. Really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you again to Susan and Mark for a fascinating story about Operation Onion Ring. Hopefully this serves as an important reminder just about putting your information on the internet. We all do it in one form or another. Uh, Just remember that people can often find that. And especially in a situation where they seem to know a lot about you, you might ask yourself, where did they get that info? Now, as you probably picked up in the interview, of course, uh, for those readings, a lot of that information was coming from emails that were sent that was direct communication, slightly different than, say, plumbing one's Facebook account for information because it was offered. But again, all of the interesting hits that uh, Thomas John seemed to get were just things that he had read in that direct communication, which did not match up with the individuals taking part. And uh, and I really appreciate that Susan and Mark care so much about the, the people uh, getting involved in this, that they did everything they could to protect their identities, 
and proceeded with a lot of care for the impact on the children, especially who are taking part in this workshop. And I just want to put out there that, you know, we're not saying that that it's not right to raise your child within your spiritual tradition, but with people like Thomas John, where you can clearly point to the methods that they're using to perform these readings, uh, I think it's something apart from just participation in a spiritual tradition. It's a little more willful and calculated than that. So, anyways, just just wanted to make that distinction for uh, for anybody who might need to hear that. And I have a fun little story. We drove back home that night after recording that interview, and the next day I joined my cousin Gabe Elias for trivia. We have a bar trivia team. We get together regularly, and uh, afterwards he told me the story, and I hadn't told him anything about this interview. And he said, "Hey, guess who I picked up the other day?" Because uh, he's a an Uber and Lyft driver. He said, it's it's someone that you may know about. And I said, oh, I, no idea. I could guess endlessly. Who'd you pick up? And he said, it was a psychic medium named Thomas John. I said, well, are, you, are you kidding me? What? Thomas John? Yeah, I know who that is. I just had an interview about him yesterday with his arch nemesis. So, uh, so Gabe didn't have too many details, but he said that the only reason he knew this is because uh, Thomas John had gotten into his back seat and proceeded to talk very loudly with his assistants. He was mad at them because they had botched something with the calendar. They double booked him, something like that. But his name kept coming up enough that Gabe afterwards wanted to look up, well, who's this Thomas John guy? Uh, so anyways, it was just a remarkable coincidence and a good example of the kind of amazing coincidences that can almost look like supernatural occurrences. You know, what's the universe trying to tell me that uh, my cousin just happens to present that information? the day after this interview. Thought that was pretty fun. And Thomas John, if you're listening, just know we've got ears on you. All right. Well, that's it for the show. Uh, Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can support us at MaximumFun.org slash join. That's how you become part of the family and support us and contribute. We hugely appreciate that. You can also share this podcast with other people. You can leave us positive reviews. That costs nothing, but it really helps us. And remember, from Thomas John's reading of Ida. Let me see what I'm feeling and stuff. Um, and give me again, what is, what, is your, uh, what is your first name? Ida. Ida, okay. So let me see if I can connect to you and see if anything will kind of come through that you can validate. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of go from there, Okay. Ida, let me ask you this because I'm feeling this. Sorry, I just want to turn off my phone here because it keeps bugging, buzzing. Okay. So first off, I want to ask you, Ida, um, did, you, did you recently lose a grandmother? No, not a grandmother, no. No. You didn't recently lose your grandmother? Not too recent. Um, well, how recent, dear? Last year. Okay. That could make sense. So... You're so, but you're so your grandmother died re- last year around Christmas. Yeah, that's recent though, dear. That's only a few months ago. So, yes, there's a grandmother coming through that I'm picking up on that's telling me that she died um, very recently. So, so you're saying that she died like within the last six months or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I think I think she's the one that's coming through. You may have other loved ones that are coming through, but I mean, you may have other loved ones, but they're not the ones that are coming through right now. 
um, it's this one that's coming through. Um, and I feel, um, I, 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 I feel when I connect to her, um, she's, she's, it feels like she's the one that's coming up. So let's see if we can connect to her a little bit more and get a little bit more um, of a connection with her, validation with her, you know, what she wants to share with us. Um, so Ida, I'm just trying to understand this. So this is your mother's, this is your maternal grandmother, your mother's mom. That's who I feel like I'm connecting to. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So your mother's mom has passed. Uh, um, and is she the one that died recently, like a few months ago? Yeah. Okay. So I think she's the one that's coming through. Let's just kind of see here. Um, she's talking about there being some, um, a lot of medical stuff with her at the end. And she's telling me about how um, there was a lot of medical problems at the end. And I feel like she's telling me that things were, um, I don't know, kind of not, not properly diagnosed or something. Um, I don't know if you would know about this. I don't, I don't feel like, she, by the way, when you said about your family and you said something about we have, you have family in London, um, I feel like this is the person that's coming through. So your grandmother must have lived in London. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And um, do you understand her telling me that um, it was you were having a lot of trouble seeing her at the end? Um, and she's giving me the feeling that it wasn't, it wasn't possible for you to see her at the end like you wanted. Um, I feel for whatever reason, you know, you couldn't get to see her at the end. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Um, she's telling me that this is very upsetting to you, that you would have liked to have seen her at the end or had some sort of closure and I feel like you you just were not able to. She's she's yeah, she's telling me it's not because you didn't want to. I think she's telling me it had to do with, you know, traveling and different restrictions, and you just were not able to get to her. Um, so I'm gathering you don't live in London then, but you you don't live there, is that right? No, we're in New Zealand. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that that's why because she says that she couldn't you guys couldn't get there at the end. Not because you didn't want to, but she's saying that, you know. Now, um, one of the things I'm feeling with her, Ida, is that um your grandmother, your grandmother and you were very, very close. You guys had a very close connection. And she's telling me that there was uh, just a natural bond that you had. And one of the things that she's telling me is that you're very sensitive. And you're the type of person who, you know, you worry about everybody, you want to make sure everybody's okay. And what she's telling me is she says that, you know, it's really important right now. Um, take a couple deep breaths um, and just know that um, everything's going to be okay. She's saying that um, you're, for some reason, just with everything going on, I feel like this has been very emotionally up emotional upheaval for you and she's telling me that um you know it's you're literally you're having trouble um moving on from this so there's two things that she's giving me one thing is some sort of memory that she's giving me so i think this is maybe something that you did together or something um but and then another thing is like a message so the memory is something about cupcakes 
So I don't know if you, I don't know if you had cupcakes with her. She got you cupcakes. She just showed me cupcakes though. She also told me that you're very worried about your grandfather. And it's kind of like, it's almost like it's stressing you out a lot. Um, and she's saying that, that, you know, that it's like, um, I, I'm assuming the way I'm, that this is being brought up. So your grandfather, this woman that I'm connecting to, her husband, is he still alive? Yeah. Okay. So there's, it, it kind of feels like it's really, this whole thing is really stressing you out. And for some reason, um, which I don't, I'm not really clear why, but you, your grandmother's telling me that you are very worried about him and that it, it's, it's something's bothering you about stuff with him. And so one of the things that she's kind of uh, telling me is it, and it's not like she's dismissing it because that's not how they work. So it's not like she's saying, you know, oh, well, whatever, just, you know, shut up. You know, there's nothing wrong with him. But she does want to say that, <laughs> excuse me, that um, she's definitely helping with this. And um, I hear, I hear that everything's going to be okay. Um, and I hear, um, that everything is, you know, everything is kind of being worked out the way that it's supposed to be. And I hear um, that as far as what I'm picking up on and stuff, that your, uh, your grandfather is kind of okay. And your grandmother is saying that, um, you know, you're, you're stressed about him. You, you will see him soon. Um, but she's saying that you're, you know, you're kind of worked up about this. I also wanted to say too that I keep seeing something with gar gardening. So I don't know who was the gardener or who did a lot of stuff with gardening, um, but I keep getting a feeling about something with gardening, somebody doing something with gardening. Um, and I don't know if that makes sense to you at all, but I did your grandmother do gardening? No. You might not remember. Um, did she have any connection at all to flowers? Oh, I can't think of any. Okay, so we'll just leave that. I don't know. It seems like a pretty simple thing that she would bring through, but I don't. I'm not sure she showed me flowers. Mr. Ruboman, what are you doing? I'm just taking one last look. Every journey comes to an end. Remember, Black, the space will be with you always. Sorry, who are you again? It's Master Kieran. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Just calling in. <laughs> Friendships will be tested. Do you have to do it? You have to shoot Black. Okay. You shot him so fast. Destinies will be fulfilled. I've become a complete bird. I'm flying. I'm flying. Guys, we don't have a choice. We have to put on a show. We can do it in the old barn. We've got the costumes. We've got a stage. We can do it, you guys. Mission to Zix. The final season on Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.